0: Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. I also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Uh, This time, we are going to take a look at the major events which have happened in the last seven days. Uh, Trades, beginning of free agency, etc., First thing we're going to start off with is the first uh, mind-boggling contract we had signed over the past seven days, which was the Aaron Rodgers contract. Um, it was announced on Tuesday that Aaron Rodgers had signed, finally signed a new contract with the Packers. Now, it was five years in length, uh, the contract. Um, he was under contract for the 2022 season. 2023 was not a real contract any year anymore. It's, it's a voiding dummy year, so it, he was going to be a free agent or his, um, in 2023, or his contract was going to expire after the 2022 season. Um, he was scheduled to make $26,970,588 in 2022. That was his total compensation. Now, the way this deal worked out, is over the five years 2022 through 2026 the cash it was 186.765 million the salaries in the last two years are low 20.9 million in 2025 and 15 million in cash 15.05 million in cash in 2026 so the idea is it's really a three-year deal, two-year extension, where Rodgers, if he's going to be like Tom Brady and continue playing football well into his 40s in 2025, they'll renegotiate that contract because there's no way Aaron Rodgers is playing for basically $35.95 million over those two years. That's not going to happen. So you have to look at this deal as a three-year deal now. If you do that, the deal total is $150.85 million over three years. That breaks down um, to an average of $50,271,167 per year. Ordinarily, you look at contracts in terms of new money. If you look at it as a two-year extension, the new money average is $61,922,206. I'm not looking at it that way because you can kind of tell when there's an extension. Uh, And in this case, the final three digits of the cash total after the five years or the cash total after the three years would end in 588. So I'm not looking at this as a new money deal. The overall guarantees... Are 150.665 million, which at the time he signed was the most ever NFL contract. The most the money fully guaranteed at signing was 101.515 million, which at the time he signed the contract was the most money fully guaranteed ever an NFL contract. Now, the contract has a unique structure. It uses has a 40.8 million dollar third day of the 2022 league year roster bonus. It's fully guaranteed at signing. Now, the reason it's a roster bonus, not a signing bonus, is so if Aaron Rodgers decides he wants to retire, that money is his. Because with a fully guaranteed roster bonus, that money is his free and clear after the 2022 league years. The team does not have any rights of recoupment after this upcoming league, this, this current league year, I should say, ends. If, for signing bonus, they would have had the right to get back if he retired after the 2022 season, um, 32.64 million, and since that 40.8 million is prorated on the cap at 8.16 million, um, for they get 8.16 million for each year left on the contract when he retired. That's what they'd have the right to to get back from him. Now, it's got a option bonus of 53.8 million in 2023. And another option bonus of $47 million in 2024. Most contracts, if they use an option bonus structure, only have one option bonus, not two. And the 2023 option bonus is to pick up the 2025 year. You prorate through the option years, both of them. So that $58.3 million gets prorated on the cap at $14.575 million 2023 through 2026. And then the um, 2024 option bonus gets prorated 2024 through 2026 at $15,566,666 in 2024 and 25, And then $15,666,666 in 2026. With option bonuses, they're treated the same way as roster bonuses in terms of recoupment. A breach would have to occur in the year that um, the money is earned. 2023 for the first option bonus, 2024 for the se- second option bonus. So, if Rogers retired after uh, 2023 but before the 2024 option bonus would become due and payable, um, he'd get to keep the 58.3 million. His signing bonus, he'd been a position. If they made all that signing bonus, obviously. They wouldn't have gotten much cap relief. But he'd be in a position where he'd have to give that money back, uh, the prorated portions. But as option bonuses, that's not anything which is going to happen. So that's part of the reason they did it. Also, when you do a structure like this, you keep the cap numbers manageable the first two years, the first years, couple years. Then they spike in the later years. Um, This type of structure... This is used in Miles Garrett's contract. He had two option bonuses. You don't see it all that often. The Braves did have Joe Flacco, two option bonuses. The Eagles have done it for a couple of guys like Jordan Mulata, but you really don't see this type of structure used very often um, in the NFL because you, he, there are three sets of proration in this deal. So uh, that that's one of the rain, main reasons. Now, the. Uh, Packers have his cap number drop from forty six million six hundred sixty four thousand one hundred and fifty six dollars to twenty eight million five hundred sixty three thousand five hundred sixty eight dollars. So they pick up eighteen million one hundred thousand five hundred eighty eight dollars a twenty twenty two cap room. The cap number in twenty twenty three is just over thirty one point six million, then a little over forty point seven in twenty twenty four. Those are manageable. Cap numbers spike in 2025 and 2026. Cap number in 2025 is just over $59.3 million, And in 2026, it's just over $53.45 million. So those last two years are going to be, when he may not be playing, are going to be problematic. Now, let's say Aaron Rodgers decided to retire or they traded him after 2022. Then because of the $40.8 million Fully guaranteed roster bonus is prorated through the five years. The Packers would have 32.64 million in dead money, and that's assuming it's a trade which would occur before June 2nd. Now, let's say that they trade him in 2024, and it would be before the date to pick up the option. And the thing about the uh, date to pick up the option, it's an extended period. Because um, normally, when you have to pick up an option, it's usually in the first five or ten days of a league year. But for each of these options, the window is begins the first day of the 2023 league year and runs until a day before Green Bay's first 2023, 2023 regular season game. It works that way in 2024 as well. So, <laughs> extended window. So that means if they, if, he, if they wanted to trade him, they could. And the option bonus proration from 2023 or 2024, if they traded him before each of those years, before exercise the option, would go to the new team, and it wouldn't be bonus proration they'd have to contend with. But after you have the $53.8 million 2023 option bonus get prorated – then that starts changing the equation on the dead money. So let's say they wanted to trade Aaron Rodgers in 2024, but before they picked up the 2026 league year, 2026 option year, because you now have the proration from the option bonus on your books, you'd have to contend with 68.205 million of dead money. So that would work for a trade or or a retirement in 2024, before that option for 2026 is picked up. Now, let's say Rodgers decided to uh, retire after the 2024 season when both those options have been exercised. So, the one thing that's gonna make the team exercise the option because his base salaries in 2023 and 2024 will be 1.65 million and 2.25 million if they're not exercised. Then his cap number, his base salary is a fully guaranteed fifty-nine point four six five million. If the first option is exercised in twenty twenty-three, then his his base salary is forty-nine point two five million, which will be fully guaranteed by the time you get to picking that year up. You can't handle those cap numbers. So the the high fully the high base salaries are put there to make sure you exercise the option. So. Let's say he retires after the 2024 season. <laughs> the Packers are dealing with $76,803,334 in dead money. There is no way around having massive dead money in this contract for the Packers if Aaron Rodgers is done playing football after those three years. It's almost like they need him to keep playing football. <laughs> um, I don't know where the cap's going to be at that point, but that's a massive amount of dead money. Now, if they would hold him on the books, most likely, at the minimum base salary. They'll do what the Saints said if Drew Brees if he was retiring, drop his base salary down to his league minimum for that year, and then take the cap hit over two years where they have 38 basically $38.4 million of dead money in 2025 and 2026 for each of those years. Now, um, people are going to be critical of Aaron Rodgers because he's got one Super Bowl. It looks like he's trying to grab every last dollar, fully exploit his leverage. um, When in his late 30s, he should be, in a lot of people's eyes, more concerned about trying to help Green Bay put together the best roster for him to be a two-time or three-time Super Bowl champion. Drew Brees never gave the Saints any breaks contractually until his last couple of contracts he signed when he was in his late 30s. Rodgers isn't doing that. But one thing Rodgers can say with this contract is, hey, I didn't sign a $50 million per year contract. I'm under contract for five years. And the five-year amount on this contract averages $37.355 uh, per year. Or if you want to look at a four-year extension, my four-year extension is under $40 million per year. And that's because um, it averages $39 million, the new money for four years, 39, uh million. $1,603. Now, people around the league are going to look at it as a three-year deal for a shade just under $50.275 million. Any agent who's going to try to use this deal and go, the new money average is basically $62 million, will get laughed at by a team. So um, that's not going to happen with this particular deal. We had another blockbuster drop on Friday and that's because Deshaun Watson um, was narrowing down his choices for where he wanted to play and there are only certain teams that he was uh, entertaining to waive his no trade clause um, the Panthers who were eliminated from consideration um, the Browns who were eliminated from consideration the two front runners were his hometown Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints After the Browns were eliminated from consideration, um, they took their best shot in trying to get him to join them. And money talks because um, they gave him an offer he can't refuse. It's a game, what should be a game-changing contract. Um, He was under contract for $136 million over four years. He is now under contract for five years at $230 million for an average of $46 million per year. And the entire $230 million is fully guaranteed at signing. This is a basketball-type guarantee. You have basketball players like Steph Curry, who signed a four-year extension, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, and I'm not even sure if I said his name properly, signed a Two hundred, basically a two hundred thirty million dollar extension, just a shade under that, like two twenty eight and some change, um, which kicked in, which is kicking in this year, signed in December twenty twenty. That's a basketball contract, it's that type of guaranteed money. It more than doubles the amount that was fully guaranteed in Rogers' contract, which was the standard just a few days ago. <laughs> now. It's a very clean deal, um, this Deshaun Watson deal. signing. Well, I've said that $35 million of cap room to fit him in with the trade, and then they changed the contract, um, where signing bonus is $44.965 million, The base salary is $1.035 million, And then he has $46 million fully guaranteed his, uh, salary in 2023 through 2026, Who cares about whether the contract is front-loaded, back-loaded when it's fully guaranteed? So I don't like flat deals, but flat deals for most players aren't fully guaranteed, so your guarantees run out in the first couple of years. So you want to get more money sooner rather than later, so you don't have team options with a bunch of money in them. But here it's fully guaranteed, so it doesn't really matter in terms of your cash flow each year. So the cap hit this year is going to be $10.028 million, And then its cap number in each of the next four years, 54993000 million. You're going to see the Browns exercise their right to convert salary. Some portion of the 23 base salary presumably will be turned into signing bonus or its equivalent at some point in time before the start, next offseason before the start of their 2023 league year to clear cap room. Now, the Browns gave up three first-round picks and like a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick um, to get him. This is going to be a controversial trade because there's going to be portions of the Cleveland fan base who want no parts of Deshaun Watson because of the sexual assault misconduct allegations. That's how the Philadelphia fan base was when Michael uh, Vick got out of prison because of dogfighting, cruelty to animal charges. And then once Michael Vick became the starter and started playing well, certain segment of that fan base um, was okay with it. If Cleveland wins a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson, he'll be beloved in the city by most people. There'll still be some people who... Won't feel good about him being the quarterback unless he is completely absolved of all the allegations. There's no criminal charges. He's probably still going to be facing a suspension of the personal conduct policy. But one of the things that was supposedly addressed here is that the pre-existing allegations, um, the guarantees don't void because of pre-existing allegations because typically... Um, guarantees do void uh, with any type of suspension. And also because the signing bonus is basically all of his salary or compensation in 2022 besides the minimum base salary, suspensions are not off of your total compensation. They're based on your base salary. So for each game, Watson is suspended presumably this year under the personal conduct policy because you don't need to be criminally liable to have a personal conduct policy suspension. Ask Ezekiel Elliott and Ben Rothelsberger about that. It might be a six game suspension. So he would be he would lose one eighteenth one eighteenth of one point oh three five million. So basically 57500 for each week he suspended. Six games. So, so for six weeks, six games, that would be $345,000. So that's a minimal amount. Some people have a bad taste about that, feel that the Browns are trying to circumvent or help him circumvent the suspension. But the um, Patriots did have Tom Brady in 2016. Um, His base salary was at a million dollars that year when he had the four-game suspension for Gate. So his he lost like $235,000 um, because the bulk of his money was in signing bonus. Some people have a big problem with the fact that he's Sean Watson is getting rewarded with a new contract of this magnitude. Although he has this cloud hanging over him, that doesn't sit well with some people as well. You can also look at it from the standpoint that Watson basically got ninety-four million for one new year. (laughs) Um, Had they kept the contract as is and then stuck a franchise tag on him in twenty twenty-six, then I'll say that the franchise tag at a minimum would be forty-six point five five two million. The reason I'm saying that is I'm Assuming that they would convert all but minimum base salary into signing bonus this year if they kept the deal as is, so that would raise his cap number for 2025 to 38.9793 million. 20% raise off of that gets you to 46.552 million. So essentially, he's getting 47.5 million, 47.5 million more dollars than had they kept the old deal and they franchised him in. 2026 well watson getting 230 million fully guaranteed under the circumstances proves that talent is the overrider consider the overriding consideration when it comes to great players um now the next step in all this is to see if this is going to have some sort of impact on other players getting fully guaranteed contracts um Kirk Cousins got the first fully guaranteed contract for a veteran player in 2018, at least one of con, uh, contract of any consequence, when he signed with Minnesota Vikings. Um, the next two guys up didn't capitalize on that. That was um, Matt Ryan, who got 94.5 million fully guaranteed at signing, and Aaron Rodgers in 2018 when they both signed their deals. Um, to become the highest paid player respectively at thirty million and thirty-three point thirty three and a half million per year. So we're gonna need whoever is next up to really take advantage of this deal if we're gonna see more fully guaranteed contracts. And the next two quarterbacks up could be Kyler Murray, of the Arizona Cardinals, and Lamar Jackson, of the Baltimore Ravens. Um Jackson in his fifth-year option, and Kyler Murray wants a new deal in the worst way. And then we'll have to see if it goes to a non-quarterback as well. I would say if there's going to be a non-quarterback to try to push that envelope, it would be um, Nick Bosa with the 49ers, who was eligible for a contract extension, and the Niners are pretty proactive in when they sign their core players. They'll be curious to see how those deals shake out. One thing you're going to see particularly with the young quarterbacks is they should be trying to push for the fully guaranteed contract and teams are going to try to hold the line by saying this is an unusual circumstance that I can see some teams trying to say it's an anomaly. He was kind of a quasi free agent because they were going to have to trade him to a team of his liking because of no trade clause. So he wasn't dealing with a closed system like a Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert will be where they can only negotiate with their own team, that since he had to approve the no-trade clause, approve where going to because of no-trade clause, that a team was going to have to go above and beyond the call of duty to ensure they got Watson. So his situation is unique compared to yours. This is what teams are going to try to spin. a hope agents or uh, position it. I hope agents dismiss that and kind of hold the line. And it may take one of these quarterbacks pushing the envelope in the way Cousins did by being willing to play on a franchise tag or two. That's how Cousins got his. And the guy where I could see that being the biggest issue and Watson getting the fully guaranteed contract is probably going to fundamentally change how the Browns have to do business, particularly in Burroughs' case. The three teams, the Browns, Packers, and Steelers, who, for the most part, not the, not the Browns, the Bengals, Packers, and Steelers, who, for the most part, don't do salary guarantees for veteran contracts. Packers have made one exception, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Um, the contracts which have made him the highest-paid player in the league have all had base salary guarantees. No other veteran has. Um... They have second and third year roster bonuses in March, which are unsecured, to substitute for guarantees. And the only true guaranteed money for everybody else besides Aaron Rodgers has been signing bonus. Steelers had that policy where the only exception they made had been with Ben Roethlisberger. He had injury guarantees in it for base salaries, but not skill injury. Skill and cap guarantees where the base salaries are fully guaranteed with T.J. Watt when he became the highest-paid non-quarterback um, right before the regular season started. They gave him $80 full fully guaranteed at signing base salary guarantees. Bengals haven't been afraid to pay people, contrary to popular belief. I believe it was the end of the 2005 season they made Carson Palmer the highest-paid player in the league, so they should have no issue making Joe Burrow the highest-paid player in the league he's done more than Carson Palmer did. Carson Palmer looked like he might be on the way to winning the playoff game towards ACL against Steelers, but Burrow got him to Super Bowl. Are you really going to stick to your antiquated policy on guarantees and that's going to be your hill to die for, die on with Joe Burrow? That's how he plays on a franchise tag or two and walks. I, uh, in my estimation, I could be wrong. But I think that's where they're at least going to have to do a conventional structure for Joe Burrow, um, where he's got the normal or the typical salary guarantees that you've seen in quarterback deals prior to this Deshaun Watson deal. There's going to be more fallout from this deal from the quarterback position besides what it's going to do for the younger quarterbacks and potentially change the structure of how contracts are on a go-forward basis. Browns now have to move Baker Mayfield, who's on a fifth-year option, for 18858000 Um million. They're not dealing from a position of strength because everybody knows they have to move him. So for them to get Sam Darnold compensation in return, I don't think that's... Extremely realistic, even though Baker Mayfield has played better than Sam Darnold has. Um, there's one fewer year left on the contract now than with Darnold when the Panthers gave up a second, fourth, and sixth round pick for him. If you can get a day two pick for Baker Mayfield, the Browns should probably take it. Mayfield wants to go to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, to me, the Seahawks might make some sense for him as well. They may have to eat some of that fully guaranteed um, option, fifth-year option, to facilitate the trade. And also, that may increase the uh, compensation they get in return for that. The Panthers ate a little over $7 million in salary by converting money from from base salary into signing bonus to facilitate Teddy Bridgewater's trade to the Broncos. Um, right before the draft last year after they had gotten Sam Darnold. So you might see something like that. Now, the Atlanta Falcons were hot on the trail for Deshaun Watson, so it's going to be interesting to see the fallout from Matt Ryan. They were going to um, convert his 7.5 million dollar um, third day of the league year roster bonus, which would have been on Friday to signing bonus and held off on that during the Watson sweepstakes and, and both sides agreed to push the roster bonus back to this upcoming Tuesday um, the 22nd. Now is Matt Ryan going to be so offended by this he wants, all, he wants out and doesn't want to play for the Falcons anymore and they accommodate him or is he going to be the quarterback on a go forward basis or do they just outright release them. They'd have $40.525 million in dead money for a trade, which happens before June 2nd. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. Um, we also had another big quarterback deal um, come in, in terms of Matthew Stafford. Stafford on Saturday agreed to a four-year, $160 million Extension with the Rams, his $60 million signing bonus is the third largest signing bonus in league history. 66 by Dak Prescott is first. Russell Wilson at 65 million, and now um, Stafford at 60 million. His cap number was 23 million. 10 million was a fifth day of the league year roster bonus which is why you have the timing that you have um, on this um, deal. Um, his cap number drops to $9.75 million because he's got a um, uh, $1.5 million fully guaranteed base salary. There's a $26 million option bonus um, in 2023 The structure that they've used previously in contracts. Um, so that doesn't necessarily surprise me. Typically, they're one of the few teams that does... Some guarantees about offset, so I'm sure that's the case. Um I'm there's hundred and thirty five million in total guarantees. I'm counting the full guarantee at eighty nine million, even though I'm just going off of reports which have a breakdown of the contract. I'm assuming that the entire twenty twenty three base salary for now is fully guaranteed at twenty seven point five million and it drops to one point five million fully guaranteed. And the $26 million, when the $26 million um, option bonus is paid to pick up the 2026 year. Now, to me, this is a situation um, where Matthew Stafford um, left some money on the table. And I saw characterizations that in the reports that he said he just wanted a wanted a fair deal and wanted to... Help the Rams be able to sign other players. Um, That's totally his prerogative, and I understand after winning the Super Bowl and he's made, I think, almost $240 million in his career heading into the offseason, that's from his NFL contract, that he's in a position to do that more so than other players. Um, Given that he won a Super Bowl after they traded him, (laughs) he had the leverage, if he wanted to, probably be the second-highest paid player in the league. Definitely more than Patrick Mahomes, but that's not what he chose to do. Now, where this could have more of an immediate impact is we may have the market or the goalposts kind of defined for a Derek Carr contract extension with the Raiders. Um, we had Cousins get a one-year extension at 35 million, and now we have Stafford at 40 million. So, if Carr now that he has he's being reunited with his former college teammate Devontae Adams, which we'll, we'll get to shortly, is he going to not try to get as much money as he can? um and he's going to go more the Stafford route and if so where does that deal land is it 40 million 35 million 37 million but i think we have those parameters kind of set it'll be interesting to see what russell wilson does um presumably next year he says he wants to win 3 4 more super bowls wise in denver well his first contract i think made him the second highest paid is either the second or third highest paid player in the league. And then his second veteran contract, he became the highest paid player in the league. So is he gonna try to go over fifty million per year when he signs the extension? Or is it gonna be forty five? Because he's leaving a little money on the table for the good of the team. Um, it's not a player's obligation to help a team manage the salary cap, but um, if he wants to do that, that is his prerogative. Um, I've seen some people question why I would say that Stafford didn't fully exploit his leverage. And I had criticisms of Patrick Mahomes. The criticisms for Patrick Mahomes were for different reasons. One, we're talking third contract, veteran contract versus first Veteran contract two. It's a 10-year extension. That basically runs through the bulk of his career. The deal's already being out. It's already outdated because he hasn't even played his first new year on the contract. And you got two guys who are over it if you just take the total value of the of the deals. and I'm taking the first three years of Rodgers and the five-year total for Watson at $46 million per year. So, he he's going to keep dropping, and at some point, he's not going to be happy about that. So, the better he plays and the more quarterbacks who keep going above him, eventually, it's going to get to the point where Kansas City is going to have to do something about it. I don't know if that's in 2025, 26, 27, but they're going to have to address that thing at some point in time. Um <laughs> Out of fundamental fairness, and that's why you don't do a 10-year deal. Um, you didn't see anybody else doing that. Dak Prescott couldn't get a deal done last year because the Cowboys wanted five years. I mean, two years ago when he was franchised, he wanted to give up only four. He did a four-year deal this time around with no franchise tag, or the third franchise. They can't put a franchise tag on him because he's got one of those clauses. So they're going to have to come a year early. So you're really going to see more the four, five-year model than you're going to see basically signing a lifetime contract, but enough on that. Let's move on to Devontae Adams. Packers had franchised Devontae Adams for $20.12 million. He said he wasn't going to play in the franchise tag. He wanted to be the highest-paid wide receiver. Um... He gets traded for a 2022 first and second round pick to the Raiders, which was the team he, he uh, rooted for growing up. And it's back for his college quarterback. Now, when you look at this deal, um, it was initially reported at $141.5 million over five years. And I'm thinking, wow, he's the highest paid non-quarterback in the league. Man, he, he's really going to fundamentally change the receiver market. Um, no, no. This is a case where I fell into the trap of believing the reports of a deal instead of waiting for the numbers to come out. Um, yes, it's the biggest contract ever signed by a receiver, but it's not quite what it's cracked up to be. Signing bonus of $19.25 million base salary this year... F- uh, 3.5 um, million fully guaranteed. He's got annual per game roster bonuses of $500,000. Annual workout bonuses of $100,000. So, it's, on paper, 140 over five years, $28 million per year to get to the $1.25 uh, $1. million total. Um, he has to hit make the pro bowl each year um that's a likely to be unless it's coupled with something that's a likely to be earned um incentive and it's going to count against the cap so that means his cap number is 8.2 in 2022 thing is um, it's got the most money fully guaranteed uh total guarantee i should say of a um Quarterback con- of a wide receiver contract at sixty-five point seven million, from what I can tell, but the amount which is uh, fully guaranteed at signing, um, because the way the guarantees vest, is only twenty-two point seven five million. The last, so it's really basically sixty-seven point five million over three years, because the last two years are inflated with um, base salaries of over $35 million. Um, this kind of reminds me of the Alvin Kamara uh, deal. It's $75 million over five years for Camara, but there's $25 million in the last year, so it's really... He's not going to play for that. Just like Adams isn't going to play for base salaries over $35 million um, three and four years from now. I mean, uh, going into year four and year five. So with Camara um, it's really t- realistically $12.5 per year because that year five there is just inflate the average. and You see that a lot. So the agent could use the deal in recruiting by saying, I got the guy X amount or he's the highest paid guy at his position and in recruiting um, players are none the wiser. This is strictly so he can say that on paper it's more than DeAndre Hopkins. And the new money average in Hopkins is $27.25 million per year. The problem, or why some people call that an outlier, want to discount it, is he had three years left on his contract. Now, getting back to what I said about Rodgers early on, that his, if it was really a negotiation over new money, then it would the... Total value would have ended in 588 because that would have lined up with what he had left on his contract. With Hopkins, the last two digits for what he had remaining on his contract, I think it was 39.915 million, was 15. When you look at the total of what Hopkins got over the five years. It's like $94.415 million, which to me is a giveaway that they were negotiating over new money. Because he's not going to sign a deal which averages $18.883 million per year. It would be like $95 million over five years, and then you back out what was left, and you would go, wait a minute. They just ripped it up, but no, that's... That was a negotiation over new money. But I initially thought, wow, man, Adams is at twenty-eight. Wow, Chris Godwin the day before signed at twenty. Now, Godwin signing for sixty million over three years is right in line with this twenty-two point five million, sixty-seven point five million over three years, twenty two point five million of the average of the first three years. Now my initial take on Godwin was, unless I can get what I want, knowing they can't stick a, uh, another tag on me cause it'd be the quarterback number in 2023, I'm not signing anything long term. Now, you could also take in consideration that, okay, he tore his ACL and MCL, so... If he signs along, signs for some security now, and it's three years, he doesn't have to rush back this year. He can see where the market continues to go because you got like Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson may have a new deal by that time, and Tyreek Hill should get a new contract this year. He's in a contract year. They may move the market some, and then. And knowing that they can't stick a third franchise tag on him, they'd have to come to him at the beginning of 2024 or before the 2024 season is over and get him done again. And he'll have leverage by the fact that he would definitely be walking if they don't get a deal done. So coupled with Adams coming, the deal not being what I thought it was, and that dynamic I don't have the same thought process I did before with Godwin um I probably and really the agent is driven by what the client wants to do so that's first and foremost the first um priority um so I'm not sure whether I would have played it out or now when you start taking that into consideration I might still lean towards playing it out um Case can be made for going either way. We also saw another one of these deals, which is inflated in Von Miller. Von Miller signed for 120 million over six years to go to the Buffalo Bills. Um, he's got 45 million fully guaranteed at signing, 51.435 million in overall uh, guarantees in this contract. There's 33. There's 30 million in the last year of Von Miller's contract. So when he's 38, he's not going to be playing for 30 million. So that was really so. Miller can say, "I signed a 20 million dollar per year contract, and I got a raise from my last six year deal that I signed um, when I was franchised after being the Super Bowl 50 MVP." That deal averaged just under 19 one. So another one of these. Um, deals which are inflated for cosmetic purposes that that's not the real deal. I really look at this first three years of the deal Von Miller $52.5 million, $17.5 million per year average. That's probably what the deal is. We'll see how much longer he plays after, after that time frame but that's really what you should probably call the deal. Signing bonus of $18.525 million in the deal, which is getting prorated $3.705 million. So let's say he's done after three years. There'd be $11.115 million of dead money um, that the bills will have to contend with, which, as the cap continues to go up, would be extremely manageable. Okay, let's take a brief look at um, some of the... Uh, Developments in free agency. If there hadn't been so much stuff going on this week, we take a bigger look at free agency. But first, um, the we're gonna go to the deal which was the most surprising uh, to me, which was uh, Christian Kirk um, with the Jaguars. Um, when the deal was reported initially, I was like, all right, I'm gonna be I'm skeptical to see if this is really what it's cracked up to be it is 72 million over four years is the base value there's 37 million fully guaranteed at signing and the deal is up to 100 uh, there's another 12 million in incentives each year so we're already talking 84 72 so it's up to 84 so that means this deal could average if he, I don't know what the um, thresholds are, but it's up to $21 million per year. And this is a guy who spent 76% of his time in the slot last year um, taking over for Leifridge um, with him retiring. He's never had a 1,000-yard season. So this deal drives up the price for... The 2019 second-round picks, who are up, the Debo Samuel's, the DK Metcalfs, and the AJ Browns, they're thinking: if he's at 18, he's never had a thousand-yard year. What what am I worth? And also, Hunter Renfro probably is paying close attention to this deal as well. Hunter Renfro was over a thousand yards, a hundred catches, statistically superior to Kirk last year, at least from raw statistics. So, this contract just made that negotiation more difficult in trying to do an extension with him with the Raiders. Um, Jaguars gone a tremendous spending spree this year. Um, They're spending money at a rate like the Patriots did last year, but we'll see whether it pays dividends. They can't get any worse. Um, One of the moves they made was making, additionally, was making... Brandon Scherf, the highest paid um, interior offensive lineman, highest paid guard. That was expected. Um, because we'd seen that in free agency in the past, that you got a Pro Bowl Caliber guard hit the open market whether it's Kevin Zeitler, Keleccio Simile, Andrew Norwell, Joe Tooney, they become the highest paid guard. He signed for um sixteen and a half million per year. Um, it deal maxes out at seventeen and a half million per year. Um, he'd made basically sixteen five a year on his two franchise tags, so I thought that was going to be the floor for him. So he's highest-paid guard, and they had some head-scratching deals like Zay Jones getting eight million per year. But they're trying to upgrade the cat talent and particularly help Trevor Lawrence, uh, the first overall pick in last year's draft. So we'll see how this translates into the win column. Now, deal which surprised me on the other end. Was J.C. Jackson's because um, I would have been targeting to try to be the highest paid corner in the league considering he's had the most interceptions over the past three years with 22 had 23 pass defense last year which led the NFL with second interceptions with 8 I really thought he was going to do better and I thought Carlton Davis would do better than the 15 million per year that he got to save the Bucks. Um, part of that might be the Tom Brady factor where you got guys who are willing to come back now that Brady came out of retirement who wouldn't have otherwise like um, Ryan Jensen signing for $13 million per year when his agent um, Mike McCartney who represents um, Cousins thought he might be able to get $15 million and become the highest paid center so that's kind of the Brady effect but with J.C. Jackson he, he couldn't do any more than he did this year and he basically gets the same deal Byron Jones got with less guarantees, fewer guarantees. There's 40 million fully guaranteed at signing, uh, 40 million overall guarantees from what I can tell. It's 82 million over five years. The signing bonus is 25, um, which is a pretty steep signing bonus for a non-quarterback, pretty big one. But Byron Jones two years ago, when the cap was 198.2 million. Signed for $82 million over five years. $16.5 million per year. Iron Jones is not the player that J.C. Jackson is. So this deal came in lower than I thought it would. If I was going to take what was below what, I, below what my expectations were, and as I said before, you're driven by your client and what he wants to do, I would have been leaning three-year deal um, and try to hit the market again in... 2025 because i guess the trade-off you'd have to ask yourself is in heading into 2025 would my client be worth 1680 a year because that's the value of those last two years 168 so would he be worth that um at that point in time and if so oh excuse me i'm looking at the api well, wrong. That's the wrong analysis. I'm looking at what the uh, average averages after each year. So really he's got twenty eight point one two five million. So the it really should be is my client gonna be worth fourteen million um sixty two thousand five hundred dollars per year at twenty 2020, twenty year twenty twenty five would be the equation. I'd probably I might take that. I'd take that bet and would have done a shorter term deal, but um, that one came in on the uh, other end. Um, and one last thing I want to talk about is, man, the AFC West is really loading up to be the division of death because you already had the Chiefs who have been the class of the division, and every other team is trying to compete. The Chargers are doing whatever they can to take advantage of the window they have. while well, Justin Herbert is still the cheapest he's ever going to be on his rookie contract. They traded for Cleo Mack. They re sign Mike Williams to a three-year contract at $20 million per year. They go out and get J.C. Dack- Jackson. Um, they get Sebastian um, the, the Joseph Day to come over for the Rams to help plug the gaping hole they had in the uh, middle of the defensive line um, where they couldn't um, stop the run last year. Denver is up there, Andy. They went out and got Russell Wilson, had Randy Gregory coming over, um, poached him from the Cowboys. Um, so they got the uh, Raiders now, uh, shipped out Yannick Ngakwe, signed Chandler Jones, who had a Patriots pedigree, so reunites with uh, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniel. They made the trade for Devontae Adams. There's one thing I didn't say about the Devontae Adams trade. Um, that I'm going to address now. Some people were comparing it to the compensation to the Jamal Adams trade where he, Adams went for more than two first-round picks. Don't do that. It's not an appropriate comparison. It's apples to oranges. Um, the most you were ever going to get, Green Bay was ever going to get for Devontae Adams, was two first-round picks, because that is the compensation that a team gets when they don't match an offer sheet, that's by CBA rule. So, why did the Raiders ever give up more than two first round picks? Now, um, first and second is pretty consistent with what the sign and trade, franchise player sign and trade um, compensation is. Could the Raiders have signed an offer sheet that Green Bay wouldn't have matched? Yeah, but then it was going to have to be so cap unfriendly that the Raiders wouldn't really, they could renegotiate it once he got there um, to make it more cap friendly. But then they'd probably have to change the timing to where it would put Green Bay at a more disadvantageous time um, in order to do it. So getting the first and second seems fair to me. Supposedly Green Bay was willing to meet the... Uh, pay the same money uh, that the Raiders are. But probably too much water under the bridge. They negotiated with them last year. Couldn't get anything done. Uh, viewed the uh, Hopkins contract as an outlier. And I'll say... And I've seen situations like that. And I'll give you one very high, pro- high profile one. Um, for those of you who don't know... I got my start in the business working for Leonard Armado, who was Shaq, uh, Shaquille Olajuwon, Ronnie Lott, and Nakeem, um, Ronnie Lott, and Nakeem Olajuwon's agent. Um, And I was still doing consulting for him when uh, Shaq was a free agent um, with the Orlando Magic. Um, Everything we were looking to do. Our first choice was to go back to Orlando. We were doing... Because I still shared office space with Leonard after I, I'd left to help form um, a company we represented football players. Where we took all the football players with us. The um, most amicable split you'll see in the business, but that's for a different time. But getting back to this, there were marketing deals being done in the four specifically geared towards Orlando. And there was one in particular... Um, There had been a deal agreed to where Universal Studios was going to put up the money. Shaq was putting up no money for a Shaq's Place-themed restaurant at Universal Studios. So we're thinking he's staying. I was tasked by Leonard with trying to find out what we can and can't do under the salary cap or what our salary cap constraints were with some sort of ancillary money outside of the contract, which was basically every idea we had was going to be considered circumventing the cap. But that was all geared toward Orlando. Now, Orlando comes out, gives Shaq a low ball first offer of $54 million over four years, um, talks about how they have to save money for Penny next year in the in a conference call where I was on doing basically listening, not talking, um criticized as rebounding. So it's like they counted up, okay, what could other teams do when they make the offer instead of coming out and here's what we want to pay. And we were looking for hundred and twenty million. We were looking for twenty million a year over seven years without after three. And by the time they got to the point where they were willing to do something which made sense to us, we'd gotten so far down the road with the Lakers because they're moving heaven and earth, showing Shaq love and also, there was a stupid poll that came out um, during this time, and it was about a two, two and a half week time frame where all this was taking place. That with the 1996 Olympic team, the Orlando Sentinel ran a poll a Shaq worth 100 million dollars, and almost it was overwhelmingly no, like 90-10 against it, which didn't help. So by the time Orlando at the 11th hour was like, hey, we'll 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 beat the Lakers. Too little, too late. So, to me, this might be a situation that if Green Bay had done what they were trying, what they needed to do last year, he'd have signed, no problem. But you get to this point, it can be the player goes, you know what? (laughs) You've known me. You've had me. You dragged your feet. I'm out. And I think (laughs) that's what happened in this case, just like uh, what happened when Shaq uh, was a free agent. So, for people who were saying Shaq was always going to go to L.A., I have inside knowledge about how that happened. No, we were thinking Orlando. But anyway, that's just to illustrate the point that sometimes a player can get fed up with his own team. And even if they do finally come with the money that needed to be put on the table earlier, he's already moved on. But anyway, that's going to be this week's um, Inside the Cap. Uh, Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Joel. that's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L, and also read my CBSSports.com agent stake. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye.